Well, hey, listeners. Glad to have you today. This is I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson on Market Scale Radio. Excited to have you today. We're going to talk a little bit more about COVID. Yours and my uh, favorite uh, topic, I'm sure. We're going to give it a little bit of different slant today uh, in talking with one of my absolutely best friends and one of the finest men you will ever run across, the Honorable uh, Judge Jackie Miller. Uh, Jackie is a, a is a Justice of the Peace in Ellis County, which is just south of Dallas. And we're going to talk about how COVID has affected the court system in, in his county. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, their jail, uh, the incidents uh, just in the county, and some of his thoughts about how this is affecting uh, really you know, yours and my freedom uh, throughout this time. So when we come back, it'll be, uh, we'll be talking with Judge Jackie Miller only on I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson. All right, we're back with I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson. And uh, boy, are you guys in for a treat today. Uh, my guest tonight is one of my very best friends. We've known each other, Jackie, for what, 41 years? That's frightening. Good gosh. This is, and, and of course, you know, listeners who, who tune in often, yeah, it's another Baylor graduate. You know, you guys get tired of that, but I don't care because it's my sick and bears. Sick and bears. It's my show. This is the Honorable Judge Jackie Miller. Jackie, how are you, buddy? Good, Kevin. I appreciate you having me on here. It's good to hear from you, my friend. Man, man, it's it's always good to hear from you. Uh, you know, I, I, as my disclaimer, I have never appeared in front of Judge Miller in his court but there have been many times in our past that we should have appeared in a court together. So we'll just leave it at that. There's no stat- statute of limitations has run on that cat we're saying. Oh, that, that's, man, that's really good to hear. <laughs> it's kind of comforting. So anyway, so uh, Judge Miller is uh, a justice of the peace in Precinct 2 in Ellis County. Ellis County, Texas is uh, just south of Dallas County with the county seat being Waxahachie. Try to spell that. Uh you know, Jackie, something we were talking about before we went on the air is, you know, most people know what a judge does, but tell us a little bit, what does a justice of the peace do? Tell us how long you've been on the bench and kind of, you know, a little bit about that. Oh, well, uh, Kevin, I've worked for the county for 25 years. This is my, I've been um, blessed to be reelected six times, so I can thank my uh, constituency for that. Um, we do basically the same things. We wear a lot of different hats. We're judges and magistrates. As judges, we hear cases. Debt claim cases, small okay. claim cases, evictions, truancies, property hearings, destruction orders, emergency protective orders, warrants for arrest from anything from a Class E to capital murder. Really? I didn't realize that. So we have a lot of the same powers. We just wear a lot of different hats. And in our county, I'm also the county coroner, and we go to the jail to do the arraignments every day. Good grief. Okay, so I guess you being in the county coroner is obviously because of the size of Ellis County, right? Correct. Uh, some counties have the medical examiners such as Dallas, Tarrant, Bear, Travis. Smaller yeah. counties can absorb the price for a medical examiner. We piggyback off these other medical examiners for their expertise when we need it. Oh, okay. That's cool. Uh, so, uh, you know, the the judicial system has certainly uh, been impacted by COVID just like everybody else has. So, so tell my listeners a little bit about what's happened in your world over the last, you know, eight weeks or so because of this. Well, it's, um, 
been in the office as long as I have. We've seen a lot of things. Ebola, H1N1. I've never yeah, seen it right. Shut the courts down. We basically have been shuttered unless it's an essential hearing. So non-essential hearings are all the things that I mentioned earlier. Hmm. Your evictions, your debt claims, your small claims. Yeah. Basically, we're not allowed to have any in-person hearing. Now, you can do some video conferencing, but a lot of my pro se defendants or plaintiffs don't have that capability in a small rural area. Basically, my doors have been shuttered to hearings until midnight, June 1. Wow. I didn't realize it was it was ongoing through this month. Um, we can't even, our constables haven't been able to serve, our sheriff's deputies or anybody been able to serve papers since March 15th. Hmm. And they won't be allowed to start serving again until midnight after May 18th. Interesting. Hey, let me ask you a question. You know, I I, I see the the crime st- statistics here in McLennan County, where where we are uh, in Waco. Tell uh, what's the crime been like in Ellis County during the shutdown? Uh, you know, have you seen spikes in certain crimes and reductions in others, or what? Uh, yeah, you've seen some reductions um, in others. Now, partially, that's because a lot of agencies are not arresting low-level offenders. Oh, um, okay. DWIs are still going to jail because someone's drunk. You can't let them drive away. Yeah. yeah. What you see in situations like this is a lot what it looks like. Now, I'm going to relate it to an ice storm, and you'll understand why momentarily. Mm-hmm. When people have been forced to stay together in their homes, i.e. for COVID or bad weather within two or three days, mm-hmm. your assaults have a great uptick. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about child abuse cases? Um, you see some. A lot of those, go, I think you find more in a larger metropolitan area. Not that they don't happen here, but to be honest, I live out in the country. You know where mm-hmm. I live. Yeah. And a lot of the kids down here have a lot of area to move and go, and, and they're not up under their parents like if you live in an mm-hmm. apartment. Or you live in a high rise or you're afraid to let your kids go out of the yard, unfortunately, because of our society. Sure, sure. Well, you know, Um, one thing I heard was uh, and and I've heard that child abuse cases have kind of tempered around, you know, around our area. But but somebody said it's it's primarily because they haven't been in school and teachers or counselors and other folks haven't haven't been witness to anything that they've had to uh, contact CPS about. Is that kind of what you're saying? I think that's true because the less contact you get with an authority figure or a teacher or someone else, yeah. the less likely that it's going to be reported. Wow. That's, that's sad. That's sad. It is sad because, you know, being a parent for me, and I know you also is yeah. the best thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. So, so you've talked a little bit about, so, so tell me a little bit about, uh, you mentioned before we went on the air, the 13 orders you've received. Talk a little bit about that, you know, about what, what's happened uh, because of that. Well, I mean, really, I'm, and I haven't put a hard end to it. We were talking today with my staff. Uh, we've opened every day, but not to the public. We're only open electronically and by phone. Mm-hmm. But we're probably right now easily five to 600 cases behind in this last eight weeks. Wow. So our first couple of months are going to be catch up from cases that should have already been heard. Yeah. Now, evictions, you can file an eviction if you'd like to, hmm. but statutorily, I can't hear anything unless it's already filed till June one, because they want nobody in court. And then at that point, they want no more than 10. Well, you have a judge, a bailiff, your plaintiff and your defendant. Mm -hmm. It even limits the number of witnesses. If you have attorneys, it cuts down even on less hearings. Um, It's, it's put us to a grind. Now the first week or two are going to be nothing but evictions. Um, Unfortunately for people and my heart goes out to them. 
lot of these landlords have set three months without collecting rent. I understand it's a cost of doing business, but a lot of smaller landlords buy a home and rent it to make the payment. They're not getting rid of it, so they're suffering too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, huh. So, was, and uh, if you're on Section 8, government assistance, mm -hmm. these evictions can't really even take place until July. Huh. So they even have a further outdate on when they can have evictions, risk of possession. Um, even civilly, if you had a statute of limitation that was about to run dry or end the 1st of March, you've been given two more months to extend that statute to be able to file. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Any other, you know, any other crimes that, that kind of jump out that, that you typically, that you typically hear in court that, that have been really impacted by this? I mean, I think your uh, public intoxications and a lot of things are up. Unfortunately, a lot of people when they get in this situation drink a lot. Yeah, right. Um, I'm not judging them, but uh, they, they try to drink their sorrows away. So your DWI has probably been on a little uptick to public intoxications. Um, I haven't seen my thefts rise very high, but I can tell you if this was to go another month or two, burglary of a habitation, burglary of a vehicle, burglary of a building, and thefts, unfortunately, as people get panicked or they feel they're backed in a corner, they turn to other means to get by. See, and that's what I thought, too, and that was one thing that, that whenever I was looking over the, the April crime stats in McLennan County, I was a little surprised that thefts didn't spike. Uh but but you're exactly right. Uh, you know, I'm expecting that if this does go, you know, another month or two, that people are going to going to become really desperate because, you know, as you were saying, most people had, you know, some some type of uh, forbearance for up to three months. But, you know, it's it's about to be time to pay the rent. And in forbearance situation, it's rent times three. And so people are going to be really panicked on that. And, and with the amount of unemployment that we have now, I don't know what it looks like in Ellis County, but, you know, everywhere else, it's it's certainly, uh, you know, through the roof. Oh, it's the same in Ellis County. Now, we have some essential manufacturing plants that have been allowed to stay open. Okay. But um, as far as, you know, our mom and pop things, we've already had businesses that have gone under. They have closed. Yeah. They're not coming back. Yeah, I've heard that too. And solid hey, business is good. You know what I mean? Long right. Yeah, I heard about some, you know, a couple of restaurants up in, in the North Dallas area that had been there for decades that are gone. Yeah. You uh, know, they they're, they're not going to come back. Hey, uh, question. Do you all have any kind of like meat packing plants in Ellis County? I can't remember. We do not have any meat packing plants. We have some private meat packers and okay. chicken farmers, but they're, they're privately owned. And so we have no major, no Tysons, no Smithfield, nothing like that. Okay. And the reason I ask that is because, you know, my next question to you is, is, and we're recording today on May the 7th, what, you know, kind of roughly, how many, how many COVID positives have y'all had in Ellis County and how many fatalities? You know, I can't put an exact number on the positives. I did not look today, but we're about 167 to 175. Okay. Um, we've had six deaths. And we, but we've had about 125 recover. So percentage-wise, yeah. we're doing well. Now, God bless the individuals that passed away. Sure. Um, yeah, a lot of them absolutely. had underlying problems, but still. Um, but we've been yeah. lucky. Our proximity to Dallas and Tarrant County, the majority of our, and I'll knock on wood, COVID has been in the northern part of the county. Where I live, South Ellis County, 
Uh, the three cities down here, as of yet, have no, had no positive test of COVID. Yeah, and, and that's that's the crazy thing. And looping back to my original crazy question about the meatpacking plants, it's been just amazing to see um, in in counties out in West Texas and up into Kansas, Nebraska, even into Iowa, South Dakota, um, small counties that you would never expect to see more than you know ten or so people are in the hundreds because of the the meat processing plants. Because once somebody in gets test positive uh, for COVID, uh, there's such close proximity to that to that line of work. Uh, you know, it's just going rampant. And uh, I have uh, witnessed the uh, the shortages in beef and pork, not only in the re- in the uh, in the grocery stores, but also in the restaurants. Um, you know, we've got. Uh, We've got a, a local meat market here that you and I both know and love for many, many years. Uh, I went by there for lunch yesterday and talked to the owner, and she was talking about uh, you know, a real, a really serious shortage of beef. Uh, and she said that they're like you know three to four weeks out. So that has absolutely, absolutely nothing to do with the court system. But you know, it's my show. I don't, I don't even care. <laughs> well, no, but it has to do with people's people's psyche. We had the run on toilet paper, yeah, no water, and cleaning supplies. Yeah, no, no lie. I understand the cleaning supplies, yeah. the water, and the toilet paper still blows my mind. But now we're having a run on meat. Uh, I went to Costco recently. They limited you to three packages: so one of pork, one of chicken, one of beef, or three beefs or three chickens. They've limited the amount you can buy at Costco. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. Okay, so so back to. <laughs> Now we've talked about food, which is one of yours and my favorite subjects. Uh, I mean, you know, we're going to be eating pieces at Rolos, so no problem. Oh, well, I'm going Friday. Uh, but, uh, hey, uh, talk to me a little bit about the about the county jail. Or, have y'all seen uh, any kind of spikes in, uh, in COVID positives there in the jail? We actually go into the jail. So now, of course, you glove up, you mask up. They have to take your temperature. But it put a different temperament on it. Um, and it's not from a safety point per se uh, that, that I'm worried about anything. It just changes the temperament of everybody in jail. Um, I've been letting low risk offenders out on certain things, but then I let one out several weeks ago within two hours, he tried to steal a car to get back to Dallas. So the next day he didn't get out. Um, but it, but it's, um, our jail's done very well. We've, our sheriff has asked agencies not to bring in people for traffic arrest, you know, no driver's license, things like that. Two reasons. One, you don't want that person in the jail who may have it. Secondly, you don't want the person going to jail that doesn't have it and maybe coming in contact with somebody that just has, that's asystematic. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Well, so, you know, I've heard a lot about the, the Texas Department of Corrections system or criminal justice now, I guess. Uh, I've heard that it's just rampant in the prisons throughout the state. Have you heard the same? Yeah, I've heard that there's, depending on the units, I've heard that there's big upticks. you got to realize that no pun intended, they're a captured audience. <laughs> um, you really, it's hard yeah. to keep them in their cell 23 hours a day. Um, cleanliness, mm, I mean, it's a jail. Yeah, right. And right. Uh, they, the, they're closed up. They don't have good ventilation. And just like on the cruise ships, um, when you have a closed ventilation, it just travels around. The spores do from cell to cell, hallway to hallway, shower to shower. Yeah. Well, and I know, you know, they're in uh, Coriel County where Gatesville is, you know, where Gatesville yes. is. 
you know, there's there's six uh, six prisons in the county. And so we've been in close contact with with one of the uh, regional hospitals over there throughout all of this because we see a lot of patients from their hospital. And, uh, yeah, I had a call with them earlier in the week and they said that, you know, there's like 175 cases in the 1500 uh, prisoner population down there, but they're, they don't have any in their hospital. There's none, you know, I uh, don't understand. I, I don't, I don't believe that there are any in McLennan County either. So either you've got a lot who are asymptomatic or who, who, you know, are part of the 80 plus percent who get a very mild case of this. And I understand that the prison system has a, a contract for health services with UTMB out of Galveston. And so supposedly that's going to be kind of the feeder pattern. But if they get overrun because their hospital down there only has about 24 beds, you know, if they get overrun, then that that comes back on the on the local community hospitals. And so, you know, that's a little that's a little unnerving when you start hearing those kind of numbers so close by. But uh, fortunately, kind of like you knock on wood, we've got a we've got a jail here in McLennan County that, you know, we've been fortunate that it hasn't been uh, it hasn't been hit hard at all. And, and I think the further you get away from the proximity of a large metropolitan area, um, i.e. I say Dallas because I'm closest to it, I think you start seeing less and less because person-to-person contact becomes less and less. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and you know, you got, like you said, you know, in, in your part of the county where, where, you know, there's lots of land, you're not, you're not seeing the cases. We're, it's the same thing around, around here in the, in the smaller counties that are very spread out. Uh, their cases are just minimal. Uh, I was talking with somebody today and, and we were talking about how uh, this, you know, Waco's, Waco's opening up. And I said, but I wouldn't feel good about going to a New York City or New Orleans or Chicago or Dallas or Houston and say, oh, it's fine. Go ahead. Because it's a different environment. There are, you know, close proximities. You've got people with multiple comorbidities, uh, poor health conditions. And yeah, they're the, unfortunately, they're the ones who, who are seeing the highest, uh, highest incidence of this. Well, diabetes, high blood pressure, and yeah. lung disease are some of the underlying factors that you're seeing with the COVID deaths that yeah. you have. There are totally healthy people that are getting this and passing away, no doubt. But your larger percentage has an underlying condition that makes you more susceptible to lung disease. Yeah, and that's right. You know, you look at, I was looking at the state of Texas stats today, and uh, the, uh, and I think we're at about almost 900 deaths across the state. Uh, and they, they're doing investigations on every death, and they're up to about 500 of those completed. But of the 500, approximately 470 of those people who passed away were 65 and older. Yeah, it's definitely affecting your older population, although we yeah. do know children are getting it and teenagers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In that situation. Yeah. Well, you know, that's it's funny um, when you it's not funny, but when you look at this, it's got a 98 percent cure rate. And that's great for the 98%. Yeah. It's horrible for the 2% that don't make it. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, I've only had two individuals since I have uh, been on call this last month. I've had 10 deaths, which a lot of people think that's a lot. It's actually mm-hmm. a low number. I've had two individuals tested. Both of them came back negative. So it was heart attacks. Mm-hmm. It was COPD. It was diabetes mellitus. It was uh, stroke. It was things that 
I don't sure. mean to sound flippant car wrecks that I do every day. It wasn't COVID. Now with that, I've never in my 23 years on the bench and you know, I get called out at all times of the night. And day. Oh, Kevin. I know there's yeah. a death unattended death at two in the morning. I get up and go. I now for the first time in my life, pause and think what if, mm-hmm. yeah, um, doesn't stop me from doing my job. I'm not scared to do my job, but there's a, a pause for a second. And most agencies ask the question, have they traveled? Do they have fever? Have they had a dry cough, mm-hmm. body aches? But you go to some houses where their individual is found, passed away, and there's no one to answer those questions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your medical examiner in Dallas, if they have COVID, will not do an autopsy. Hmm, interesting. Um, so it leads you, and, and we were instructed earlier on, if you're unsure, put COVID-related. Yeah. Which has stacked a lot of numbers in a lot of states. However... I haven't done that because I haven't had the need yeah. to. I've been able to ascertain the cause of death. Okay, very cool. Well, brother, we've uh, we've kind of exhausted your uh, you know your your uh, experience in the courts. Any final words from you? No, I'll say this: if you think you need to stay home, or you have a lowered immune system, or you're ill, or you have children, stay home. Yeah. Do what you need to do. You can do that. If you feel you've got to go out and you want to go out and you're comfortable with doing it, do it. Yeah, right. Um, I've eaten in two restaurants this week. Mm-hmm. So. And, and, okay. And, and about what's the percentage of people wearing masks? In the restaurants, zip. Yeah. Now, yeah, the, really. Uh, workers are wearing them in gloves. Okay. But um, I went, again, get back to Costco. I went to Dallas the other day and they make you wear a mask in there. Yeah. Um, down here in Ellis County, masks are optional. Are they smart? Depending on where you go, sure. 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 Um, but this is uh, this is taking a toll on everybody. It's it's kind of placed the it's my right to do what I want to do versus as an American, you should care about everybody I do. But you also have to respect freedom. That's right. That's right. And that and you know what? That's a good place to, to end, brother. All right. Love you, man. Take care. We'll see each other soon. Well, man, I love you, brother. Um, Look forward to seeing you in the next week or two. And um, for sure, I'll see you at the golf tournament. Sounds good. Take care. Stay safe. God bless. Uh, God bless you, brother. And God bless the United States of America. Amen. Take care. Talk to you later. Well, I'm sure you uh, you could tell from uh, from the uh, our little discussion that Jackie Miller and I are, are are very close. We go obviously go way back 41 years, which is crazy to me since we don't act that age at all. Um, and uh, so I think he gave us some really good insights on on how this has really affected the courts. You know, there's there's lots of this that uh, that we don't even think about and. Uh, uh, how it impacts people in uh, in the legal system. And so, yeah, I think it was a really interesting topic. I hope you did too. Uh, we're going to have it uh, up on Spotify and iTunes here uh, pretty soon after it airs on marketscaleradio.com. So make sure you go to the healthcare industry tab, scroll down and find I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson. Hey, if you, uh, if you like what you hear all the time, uh, just go ahead and go to Spotify or iTunes and subscribe to uh, the podcast. Uh, that way, uh, it just pops up on your little smartphone whenever, uh, whenever it's ready. Uh, as always, if you have uh, constructive criticism uh, or criticism, we don't care if it's constructive or not. Uh, or if you've got a topic that you're interested in, hey, you know, uh, I'll even, you know, if you seem interesting in your email, I might even have you on the air. 
So uh, with that, uh, another good week to you. And uh, hope to uh, have you come back next week listening to I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson, only on Market Scale Radio. Okay, and Spotify and iTunes too. Take care. Take care.